and carry the show where we don't just report on fringe science spirituality claims of the paranormal we take part ourselves yep when they make the claims we show up so you don't have to i'm ross blotcher and i'm ross blotcher mm. and we are back to see bashar bashar yeah so last time we left off we were partway through bashar's q a but there's still more Q's and there's still more A's. That's right. And in the meantime, we watched some Bashar content. Oh my goodness. Bashar is the font that flows and gives. Yes. Yes. And, and Daryl Anka. Right. Who, Very of course, similar is a different to person. Bashar. Yes. Yeah. But they <laughs> seem to have a lot in common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They live in the same house. So I don't know if for some reason you're just now tuning in like, hey, I've always been interested in Ono, Ross and Carrie. Let's jump partway in through one of their series. Mm-hmm. Bashar is the name of a maybe physical, maybe not physical <laughs> ET, an entity that is channeled through Daryl Anka, nephew of Paul Anka former visual effects artist and model maker who then realized he could channel aliens. In the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. He's been doing this forever. Yeah, going on 40 years. Yes, he started in 1982. Well, he started as Bashar in 84. Okay, had his UFO experience in 1982. Another thing of his that I watched is a documentary called First Contact. I saw that on Amazon Prime or something. Not to be confused with Star Trek First Contact. Right. I think I might have actually watched this whole thing last year, but I don't oh, really? remember it. Yeah, but it's in my notes from last year. Oh, interesting. Okay. So he made a documentary about himself. Sure. Uh, of course. Because he's a filmmaker. And... Did he direct it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can't. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Your own biopic slash oh, you can't do that. documentary about Bashar. But okay. he, he did it. That's no, you exact, can't do that. But he did it. Go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even collect $200. I, I saw a clip from it, though, mm-hmm. yesterday while I was flicking around. Yeah. And that explains things, that he directed it. Of because, course he did. Yeah, because he's he's talking as if he's trying to make it seem off the cuff, but it's definitely not <laughs> off the cuff. This isn't a fair question, but guess who narrated it? Daryl Inka. That would be brilliant. Actually, James I, Woods. What? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Did you see that name somewhere? Okay. <laughs> I, I remembered from looking around on there. That's crazy. Why was James Woods so hard up for money that he did this narration? It's like sometimes you hear somebody narrating a thing and you're like, oh, they snuck this by you. They didn't, uh, mm. you know, they just gave you the script you're supposed to read and it sounds fairly innocuous. But this one, it's just unambiguously treating Bashar as a you know a real entity a real alien yeah yeah that seems uh fairly thought James Woods what you doing credulous Drew mentioned that he's like very right-wing James Woods mm-hmm. okay it, you never know maybe they're buddies or something yeah that have a, could have no relation but a friend in common yeah huh Anyways, yeah, so he, he tells his whole story. It's quite interesting. I don't know. Do you want me to go into it at all now sure, or save it for yeah. later? Okay. Okay, so things I learned about from First Contact. Made in 2016, like you mentioned, he had a UFO sighting with his siblings. And it was kind of fun. All the footage was, you know, in LA. They were living in the valley. So I was recognizing all the places they were driving. So they showed him and the siblings who showed up later, like on camera. Oh, interesting. And they seem to be corroborating a story. Huh, how many siblings? Three. I okay. Think, I think a sister and two brothers. 
And one of the brothers was like an art director on not only this, but some of his other movies. They seem to be collaborators. But in the recreation, where they have some young guy playing him with a very thick goatee, he did have a goatee when he started the whole Bashar thing. I don't know why that was so important for me to note. Like, you need to picture him, young Daryl Anka with a goatee. <laughs> what What was he wearing? <laughs> oh, like a button-up kind of polo shirt. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. All right, so they were driving around in the car, and they started chasing this UFO they saw. And the UFO was kind of like a triangle with rounded edges. Right, and okay. And one of the brothers described it as like a rack for billiard balls, like the one you put on the table to oh, like yes. get them all uh-huh. lined up, and then you take it off very carefully. That little triangle, yeah. Right, but, you know, solid and with like these two blue lights and one other larger light. Anyway, so they were chasing it around. I have down in my notes that he had two witnesses. I thought there were three in the car. Maybe maybe it was just two. I also have in my notes that I found a later newspaper report where he said there were six witnesses. So there were two, three, or six. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, if you multiply two and three, you get six. That's true. So he first found channeling through a guy named Tom Masari. Oh, see, you can't do that either. Uh, He found that Thomas, I'm sorry, but you can't be Thomas sorry. (laughs) Tom Masari. Masari, okay. 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 He is the sleep medium and channeler of Abram. The sleep medium. Yeah. That sounds relaxing. Okay. Maybe like the sleeping prophet, Edgar Casey. I, yeah, I'm not sure actually. Yeah, how I wonder if he gets all of his downloads or whatever while asleep. That name. But Bashar saw this and the way he describes it, he's like, oh, I didn't know that was a form of spirituality. And he took classes with this guy. Oh, wow. So essentially he just studied how to be a channeler. Okay, yeah, and this was during that big channeling boom, right? Yeah, in 1984. So there's videos of him throughout the years as he gets kind of older and older and the goatee disappears and the the hair gets lighter of him channeling Bashar. Okay, I also want to note, I have here that the LA Times reported in 1986 that a local academic studying channelers found a spike from two channelers to a thousand in LA in that those two years. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are the years again? In 1986, they wow. wrote that in the last two years, <sighs> there was a spike from two channelers to a thousand in LA. Oh my goodness. I wonder if it was all Tom Masari. Yeah, just... maybe some of it anyway. Wasn't that also around the time that Monica Dietrich was learning to do pet psychicking? At least roughly. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Maybe a lot going on then. Big boom. In the documentary, he drops a lot of little nods, kind of like we played before in our previous episode, where he kind of nods to the possibility that maybe this is just all made up. Is it possible that Earth is being contacted telepathically by extraterrestrial beings through channeling? Based on my experience, it's possible that I've been channeling such a being for the past 30 years. Of course, no one has to believe anything in this film. Sometimes I can hardly believe this happened to me. There was a screen that flashed up with a quote from him saying, We have no need for you to believe in us. We are here to assist you in believing in yourselves. Okay. Uh, I, guess, I guess that's fair. It's this weird flirtation. We talked about this before, but like this flirtation with the idea that like, oh, maybe it's not all real. Right, right. Oh, okay, well, actually. I'm floating it out there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if it isn't, that's catastrophic for your case. Right. Oh, my goodness. And at the end, he really does. You know, I, I think it's worth playing this clip for you. Some think I'm imagining all this or worse, making it up. They say truth goes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Second, it's violently opposed. And third, 
it's finally accepted as self-evident. The fact is, I'm just an ordinary person who experienced something extraordinary. I think these people don't understand my experience because they've never had such things happen to them, so they believe they can't happen to anyone. When people come back to me and say, you know, I, I applied this information the way Bashar told it to me, it solved this problem, it cleared this thing up, it gave me a whole new perspective, it allowed me to feel like I was in control, it allowed me to experience the outcome that I really preferred to experience, I mean, that's very gratifying. And it, it tells me that this is real on that level. I think that's the important thing to understand is it's not about whether people believe that Bashar is real. It's not about whether this is another aspect of my own consciousness. It's, is the information real? Can you prove that it works? And yes, you can. I've applied it in my life and gotten amazing results. Other people keep telling me that they've applied it and it works for them. It changes things in very positive ways. They see more synchronicity in their life. They feel more positive in general. They do better at what they do. They're following their passion more often and living happier lives. So I think, again, very telling. I think he's kind of explaining his rationalization to us of, well, it doesn't really matter if it's real because people come to me and they say they've had all of these great you know, increased synchronicities and awareness of life and positive outcomes. Yeah. I know this works on people, but it's so it's so obvious to me. And again, in his own documentary that, that he's making about himself, I think he's revealing so much here. He then goes a little further a few minutes later and talks about the advantages of this life that he's chosen for himself. Okay. I have learned things I never believed I would have learned never imagined were possible to experience. I've certainly traveled to many different places on the earth I probably never would have gone to if it wasn't for the channeling. It's really enriched my life in a lot of different ways. So I think that anyone who has an opportunity to follow a path that's unusual, uh, even if people think you're crazy, I think the rewards outweigh anyone else's opinion. And, you know, you don't always know where you're going to wind up. And that's okay. That's part of the adventure. Um, so I'd say go for it because the alternative is to wonder what would have happened. And um, I'd rather go forward and be called crazy than to look back and say I have a regret that I never followed that path. Mm. So Dope vacations. Yeah, it worked out for me. I got to jet set around the world. Wouldn't yeah. have done that if I'd just been a humble model maker and effects guy. I mentioned this, I'm sure, when we were talking about Tony Robbins, but I I always get in this little circle in my head when I listen to people like this speak mm. where I'm thinking, mm -hmm. so you're inspiring people to be like you, okay, but if you need a hundred <laughs> followers to sit in a room and nod at you for that to seem legitimate, then each of them needs a hundred followers to sit in a room and nod at a them. A Ponzi scheme that falls yeah. apart very quickly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You actually can't communicate the thing that you wish to communicate. This can only be a few people who can do this. Yeah, and I, I do think it requires a rare overlap of skill sets. Mm -hmm. And one is one really important one is just that ability to be willing to say this stuff in front of an audience. Yeah. I just don't think I could constitutionally do it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could pull off the performance if you weren't morally racked about it. But yeah, I, I don't think I, I, I would be so in my head about whether I was doing the wrong thing. Right. And while I need to immediately explain the ruse. Okay, so you see what I did there. Was, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I don't think I could not do that. <laughs> Another note from the documentary is that he says... The name Bashar was revealed to him, but he didn't know if it had any particular meaning. But, oh, then, but then I bet he found some. Years later, someone told him that it meant in Arabic messenger or bringer of good things. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? I tried doing some like translation stuff online to see if I could find anything. You know, I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay. Glomar. Glomar. <laughs> Thank you for repeating that. I'm going to internalize this. It's just like Ella coming from Ella Poppy High School. There are no coincidences. Ella Barkley. Amazing. Another interesting thing in First Contact was he told this origin story of the gray aliens that I've never heard before. Oh, okay. That, like where they came from? Yeah. Okay. Like they had this other planet where they were like us and they advanced very quickly. But then and this is illustrated by like an alien dude, kind of human-like, uh, but he's wearing like sunglasses and then like his sunglasses get bigger and then they turn into like VR glasses mm. and then they turn into like more elaborate VR glasses and they, they were getting disconnected from the world mm. and eventually they just moved underground and started cloning oh. themselves. Whoa. A little bit of like a Wally story or something like oh. the bones disintegrated. Well, that was Wally. It wasn't uh, in, in this story, but yeah, they, they just became pinched and bitter and eventually like it changed their physiognomy so that you had them looking like these gray aliens. It sounds a little bit like Scientology. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like they're just in terms of the storytelling, I feel like there's a lot of overlap with kind of how L. Ron Hubbard uh, crafted his tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like spirits leaving and going into the earth. Very Scientology. We learned the name of Bashar's home planet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cyrano de Bergerac. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, that's cool. Essasani. Essasani, yes. I think I, well, I read elsewhere in a book we'll talk about uh, that's like named for the place of light or people of light, something like that. That's what he says. Sounds like a good brand of water. Essasani. (laughs) And then what? He's from like a community within the Sasani, right? I don't know the details of that, but they're kind of a collective consciousness. Got it. He's a member of the ET society called the Sethani. Sethani. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Interesting. They've been observing us apparently for thousands of years. Okay. So this came up last time. We, we cut it out of the episode because I, I wasn't sure yet. You'd mentioned that he's from the future. And sure enough, there are many different references to him being from the future. Yeah. And I was all excited because I thought I'd figured out exactly how far in the future he was. Turns out it was another being that he was channeling that I found that description for. Oh, okay. And that one was from 175,000 years in the future. Okay. Willa Hillichrissing is from 700 years in the future. So I haven't yet narrowed down how far in the future Bashar is supposed to be. Yeah, I'm not sure either. He lives on a spaceship 7,000 Earth miles above Sedona, though. Okay. And his home planet is like 500 light years away. Except if he tried to point out where it was, it would be, well, it doesn't matter because it's on a different vibrational plane. So even if he pointed out exactly mm-hmm. where it was, we wouldn't be able to see it. Isn't that coincidental? <laughs> Bashar is five zero. Five zero? Five zero. Five feet. Five feet tall. Oh, gotcha. Okay. 60 inches. Oh, that makes him sound pretty physical. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. And yet... On Bashar's website, it says he's a physical ET. And then on another intro on a YouTube video, it says he's a non-physical 
extraterrestrial. Uh, yeah, my whole description here, I have Bashar's five feet, white gray skin, no hair on males, hair on most females, usually white, eyes are larger than human. So that's his race. Yeah, but this all makes very little sense if he's non-physical. Yeah, so he must be physical. This all sounds very physical. Uh-huh. Huh. Someone had a typo. You know, there's more oxygen and more water on his planet. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to think That's if that better. raises any flags for me. Like, does that sound wrong? I don't know. There's lots of testimonials, of course, in the documentary. Of course. Does Daryl give a testimonial for Bashar? <laughs> he should. <laughs> he the, should. And then Bashar rate. should give one for Daryl as a channeler. It's just so strange and solipsistic that he's making his own documentary about his channeled alien. Yeah, it really... Uh, yeah, this is so interesting because I, I want to know what his personal relationships are like. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, he yeah. seems to be married. I think he's yeah, married to Erica, Erica Jordan. Jordan. And he and his wife run an escape room themed like Egypt <laughs> yeah. in Calabasas. That's close by. We got to go. Should we pick a, a date? A couple towns north of here. Yeah, we should pick a date. I got to admit, this is, I love escape rooms. Mm-hmm. I love them. And this does not look like the escape room for me. But obviously, we need to go. Yeah, it looks pretty sterile from the photos they post. But I'm always up for escape room. So yeah, I don't care. I'm in. Uh, Yeah, same deal. The key of destiny. He's so enterprising. Bashar just... I know. I mean, you, you can't fault him for lack of energy. No. Yeah, he's tried a lot of things. I also started watching this film that he made called Dearly Departed. And that one he did narrate because it was... Inter- he's made a lot of movies. Yeah, he interviewed people who had died. And I don't know. I only, I'm sorry? The, the whole idea is like there's all these interviews with these sometimes talking heads. Sometimes you see their full body, but... There are people who have these little rays shining out of them because they died and he's asking them about their deaths or what they meant to achieve in life or what they're going to do now. And I only got a quarter of the way into it, so I have no idea where this is all going. Hmm, strange. Yeah, but it's his muted voice that's asking all the questions of these dead people. One of them was Cochise. The... (laughs) Uh, I don't know who that is. Famous Native American warrior. And <laughs> it, was, it was so bad, but a very Daryl Anka moment. You chose your time of death. We all do. Not always by the clock. It's less about time, more about timing. If you move through your life in a good way, in a way that is true for you, you will always end up where you need to be exactly when you need to be there. You're talking about synchronicity. I prefer to call it Indian time. Oh, cool. Wow. Cool, cool, cool. Wow. Yeah, cool. So, okay, so (laughs) they're real people and they're Daryl slash Bashar's understanding of how they would really respond to these questions. Yeah, and I don't know how much it ties into his other ideas of spirituality or what. But yeah, you know, if if I was filming you, I would ask you questions. You'd pretend to be dead and answer the questions. Yeah. And then later on in post, I would add shimmering lights floating out of you as you were talking, which is actually pretty well done. I just, there's no way I could pay attention until I at least knew if the filmmaker was claiming this was fiction or nonfiction. Oh, it's clearly fiction. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of fiction, he also made a movie called Alienated. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. you recommended this. Drew and I pulled it up on the TV. Five stars would recommend. Out of of 12. um, (laughs) Yeah. We watched... The first 
50 or so minutes. Okay, you got over halfway through. And then we just started pushing the 15 minute fast forward button until the end. Just like, or I mean 15 seconds. Oh, okay. So it would just be a few seconds of Uh the next part of the scene. Okay, that's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happened. And we did that through the rest of the movie. That's what it deserves. Yeah, yeah. The Dearly Departed one was 2013. The Alienated one is quite recent. It was 2021? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Oh, this movie. So, okay, it's called Alienated. Somehow, Daryl Anka got the money and ability to direct another film. Yep. And this one is very much related to his whole alien storytelling. Yeah. And there are points in the film that I was like, oh, that's his Bashar talking point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nowhere mm-hmm. in the film is channeling mentioned. Cer- yeah. Certainly not that's Bashar. Right. Bashar is yeah. not name dropped. Daryl Inka himself does not show up on film. But, he... but his wife does. Oh. She's a cameo at the bookstore at the end. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll have to go mm-hmm. rewatch that again. <laughs> Watch the whole movie Yeah, again. just to get to that part. I don't know how to fast forward movies. 15, 15, 15. So alienated, great title. But yeah, it's about this young man who's a scientist, but we get a lot of his backstory. Carrie, <sighs> Carrie is scrunching her face no. in dismay. It's already, I find it so hard to explain a movie to begin with in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a kid, an American kid with Irish parents. This is never explained. Well, especially the dad. Yeah, the dad has a really bad Irish accent. Never explained. Why does the son not inherit any of the accent? Accent from his father or the mother the mom has an irish does accent. she do yes okay but a lighter yeah. one i guess oh i found it pretty pronounced let me guess we need more iron in our diet oh uh, isn't it abuse more trash uh, one man's trash it's still trash by any other name you're thinking of a rose my darling like you <laughs> a wild irish rose <laughs> You guys are embarrassing me. Why why doesn't the son... The son doesn't have it, so I just assume he's first-generation American, (laughs) but like that's never addressed and seems important. There's no point for the actor to be using a fake Irish accent. Just like tell him, speak normal. (laughs) Yeah. It it adds nothing to the story. I wonder if maybe the wife... Maybe hers was real, and they were like, well, then you need one too, sir. You can't just have an Irish wife. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) This is... Confused filmmaking at its finest. Yes, yeah. So the the little boy grows up. Mm-hmm. To become a scientist. Yes, he becomes a scientist. But bad movie scientist. Yeah, he's always like working in a lab in a lab coat, like like <laughs> writing formulas on a whiteboard. Yeah, lots like, oh, of, we're one step away. Lots of formulas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking about science without really understanding science. Yeah, yeah. And then meanwhile, he is still in relationship with his father, who is old now and a bit senile. And a hoarder, though now he looks, he hasn't aged at all. So he looks- Here's t- what's <laughs> wild, you guys. So he looks just a couple years older than his son. They cast this movie and they hired an actor who was like exactly the same age as the son to play the father. And then instead of putting prosthetics or anything that you would do to age a person up, they give him a longer beard. Uh huh. So he just looks more Jesus-y as he ages. <laughs> it's so strange. It's so, and he's like this like jacked guy who obviously goes to the gym and stuff. So he's like in his 60s. He's like super cut. It's so strange. Totally the wrong look. 
And he's uh, a hoarder. He's been holding on to all these like experiments that he has been trying to build, like create free energy machines. Yeah, very uh, Bell's dad in Beauty and the Beast. And he can't even make a wood chopping stove thing like Maurice did. Yeah, always good for a laugh. (laughs) Crazy old Maurice. I was waiting for something that he made to like become functional or useful or part of the plot later Mm, on. Like finally his free energy device comes online and it saves right the day. Along. Kind of they do that with this weird gear that he made and they're like, that helped me solve the cymatic relationship of the vibrations that underlie time space continuum. It's like a whatever. gear they keep in like a mini pizza box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this sounds like we're telling a bad dream because it's a bad film. And then we haven't even dropped this feature. Mm-hmm. There's an alien in it. Right, There's right. a girl who's a an love, alien. A love interest played by, this is a great name Gracie Lacey oh that's who that was I saw that in the credits but I didn't know who <laughs> that's she a was. great name Gracie please come on the show tell us about your whole situation <laughs> absolutely how did this happen is this your you? is this your real name so he meets her in the park shortly after seeing a UFO yeah and the UFO looks almost identical to the UFO that Bashar used in his first contact documentary to show the one that he saw. Of course. Down to like the shot with the clouds and the UFO descending. I wouldn't be surprised if he just reused the shot in the film. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I'd have to go back and compare them, but I was like, wow, oh, same. And we mentioned this in the last episode, but Daryl Anka, he builds models. Mm -hmm. Oh, you said this, didn't you? Mm -hmm. But yeah, he builds models. So a lot of the stuff, you know, the special effects going on here are... Yeah, and he was a compositor, so I imagine he could do a lot of that, though I imagine he, since other people were credited, maybe he just had good connections for people who could do cheap work. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But Maybe. at least, you know, I would trust him to have an eye for it. And the effects work is, you know, fine for it's what it is. fine. It's completely fine. fine. So, okay, so all of a sudden this young woman appears and they become love interests. And she's just so quirky and weird. And he's so buttoned up and mm-hmm. straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they build this very awkward romance. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so obvious that this is supposed to be a love story from the beginning in the way it's written, but there's no chemistry between the actors. No, <laughs> people aren't even like off book. You know, it's just I'm picturing Daryl Lanko just like barely off screen being like, we got to pump this out before 11 when Crafty disappears. <laughs> totally. And then there's this whole subplot about this older guy who's also in the park and tries to take photos of the UFO and they don't develop and uh, he starts chasing the girl because he figures out that she's an alien yeah and he's sort of bad but oh yeah she's an artist she's a quirky artist and that, yeah. that's right that's how the young scientist meets her is because he's buying her artwork because it looks like the ufo that he just saw so he's willing to pay five thousand dollars yeah oh my god just because he wants to have dinner with her Right. Uh, anyways, we're giving way too much detail about this silly movie. It's called Alienated. It's free on a lot of platforms if you want to watch yeah, it. Yeah, if you want to watch it, you'll do more than I did with it. Then later on, when they're solving these equations that they've written on the whiteboards, which, by the way, the quirky artist girlfriend recognizes, you got it wrong. You got the equation wrong. Mm. And so he's, they have a little fight over this. Like, why would you even joke about that? Uh. Oh, okay. This must have been when I was... <laughs> Fast forwarding yeah. 15 seconds at a time. So they have this little breakup fight, but then they're both so sad because they really miss each other. 
anyway, so the friend looks at this equation they've been working on for forever. It says, she's right. This shouldn't be a minus. It should be a plus. Oh, my God. And then the young scientist has the revelation that the figure that his father had, the gear, it explains everything. And he runs back to the lab and he says, oh, I've got it now. Look at this post-it note. Look at this other post-it note. What's different about them? I don't know. They're the same. Well, look, this one's here and this one's there. It's just placement. We just need to recognize the placement energy and quantify that. And then Mm. we can teleport if we can reverse engineer okay. it. And this was one of Bashar's talking points during this talk that we're attending. So oh, okay. he, he worked it into the movie. Okay. And then they go and make up. Well, he goes to look for her. She's had to leave because she has to go back to her planet. And he still doesn't realize that she's an alien. And so then he finds her and they're so happy in the park together. And he gets teleported up into her ship and they have another weird little fight. It's such a strange movie. Oh, they have a fight on the UFO? <laughs> yeah. Just after they've made up and talked about how they want to be with each other for forever and uh and then he's like oh what the hell what is this place and i don't know it's just bad dialogue yeah There's it's not a it. very good movie you know it's a good movie it's pre-somar <laughs> anybody who hasn't seen pre-somar it is my remake of midsomar do yourself a treat yeah find it on go YouTube. and look it on uh, look at it on youtube it's really good <laughs> escape rooms movies that he's directing movies that he's writing this guy's everywhere i mean i respect the hustle and I respect a person who goes their own way, but man, he's doing it weird. Okay, well, we said we'd go back to the Q&A. Should we go back to the Let's Q&A? Let's go back to the Q&A. But first, I have made a movie. Yeah? Yeah. Well, this is exciting. Uh, not just Pre-Somar, but uh. also, yes. Also, a movie about... <laughs> The movie about two podcasters okay. who are sitting in one of their living rooms when a man walks in with with a trumpet and an official scroll and says, I have a jumbotron. You got to write what you know. And that's what we know because it happens all the time. <laughs> that's what happened this we, afternoon. We cut him out of every episode, but he always shows up <laughs> and he always has the trumpet. Yeah, yeah. And then we're like, we're trying to record. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this afternoon, he came in with a Jumbotron for Vero. And the Jumbotron said, happy birthday, Vero. You're an amazing person. And I'm so happy that you're part of my life. Love your Dave. Aw. Aw, that's so nice. That's so nice. I don't know what on earth it means, but it's been delivered to us again through this messenger. And That seemed pretty straightforward. You're an amazing person, and I'm so happy you're part of my life. Yeah, I just mean, I don't I know, know why means. we have this person who shows up and delivers us these messages. I don't know a Vero. Yeah, be gone. Yeah. Person with the trumpet. Um, anyway, I'm glad I'm doing this docu-series about my own life. Yeah, good. Yeah. I feel like they're just missing a Chuck in their relationship. Chuck and Vero and Dave? What's Vero, that? Vero, Chuck, and Dave. Oh. Oh, uh, Maxwell Silverhammer? Is that what that is? Close. It's uh, when I'm 64. Oh, that's what and it is. And it's Vera, but you know, sure. I'll take it. Sure. By the way, I've got to say, Dave was completely on time. That's right. It was just this trumpet man. The trumpet guy made us release this episode a week late. <laughs> yeah, let's blame him. We in. were so stunned when he walked in. So just know, Vero, that Dave had you in mind long in advance. Yes. This is our fault. Dave really does love you. Don't read into this, Vero. I know how you are. Just kidding. I don't know you at all. You we, lo- cool. we love you too. It's just a stupid trumpet. This guy. stupid trumpet. Anyway, speaking of him, he has something else. Oh, what? How did he get back in here? Hello. <laughs> I'm Trumpy. Oh, no, that's not good. 
<laughs> it's just a coincidence, but I've been hounded for the last six years about my goddamn name. I'm so mad. You got another Jumbotron for us? Yeah, I got a Jumbotron. It's from Sunday Assembly. Oh, hey, my friends at Sunday Assembly. Okay, here, let me hand you this scroll. Thank you. No problem. It's extra for me to read it, so I'm leaving. All right, thank you. It says, if you're an evidence-based fan with good humor and empathy, like so many on Rack listeners, you'd love Sunday Assembly. We are a secular community in over 20... Carrie, 21. (laughs) Cities around the world, largely in the U.S. and the U.K. We do what churches do, like offering connection, celebration, and exploration, but without deity, dogma, or doctrine. So sing a pop song off-key, learn something new, be embraced for who you are. We look forward to seeing you. Oh, that's great. And they they knew what was going on. They knew Carrie would look at that and be like, (laughs) over 20? Over 20? How many? (laughs) You're wearing a Sunday Assembly shirt. You know what? That is actually a coincidence. I just put that on this morning. A real fan. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I'm part of the local Los Angeles Sunday Assembly fold and uh, just went there on Father's Day. It was really, really nice. If you are part of the bound, my friend Stephen calls them the bound and the unbound, that some people just prefer to be bound. To have community, to have that kind of thing. Oh, I like that. I am unbound. I like that. Okay. I think you are abound. I'm definitely abound. Yeah. The Los Angeles branch, they're now holding their meetings at USC at the Office for Student Religious Life. There's a name for it that I'm butchering, but it's pretty cool. The school has a secular chaplain there, as many schools now do, and that's where they meet regularly. But as they said in the Jumbotron, there's Sunday assemblies all over the place. So yeah, if you- 21! If you like to get together and do the singing, have the food, hang out, share your milestones, things that are going well in your life or things that are going poorly and you want other people to hear that and react to it, it's there for you. And they have something that would be like a sermon, except it's someone who's an expert in something, Mm. uh, just sharing like often a scientist, like, hey, here's something I'm working on. Here's some slides. It's really cool. Half the length of a normal sermon Mm -hmm. and it's educational and it's not always the same person over and over. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some of these talks. They're good. So there you go. That's my pitch. So visit sundayassembly.org to learn more and check out a community near you. And Sunday Assembly, I'm looking forward to every Jumbotron you buy for the rest of your existence, updating the number so that it stays accurate. Yeah, that's true. If it changes, uh, I'm going to be so mad. uh, We should hear from you. Just kidding. Speaking of things that we genuinely like and genuinely use, like Sunday Assembly and Vero, when we have an ad for Squarespace... Finding it in my email is almost impossible because... Oh, yeah. You can't put in... Because if you type in Squarespace, it gives us every, every, email. every email that someone sends through our web form. Because we really use Squarespace. Yeah. Wait, and is, have as long as this show's been alive. Now you've got me curious. I'm going to type this in. Yeah. Do it. Squarespace. Oh, it just says one through 50 of many. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right. Because we really use Squarespace. It is the all-in-one platform for building your podcast, growing your business. Whatever it is you do, you can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, your listeners, sell whatever, products, content, sell your time, whatever it is you do, Squarespace can do it. I'm now just distractedly scrolling through here and I'm already to 800 of many. Yeah, I give up. It'd be like me looking up Drew in my email. It's Mm. just like, you got to be more specific, dude. You have a full on relationship with Squarespace. Because you two just email each other back and forth all the time? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, we email each other a lot. Do you and Kara not email each other a lot? Very, very little. Whoa. Well, cool. we're in each other's texts constantly. And of course. And we call each other. But, of course. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no constant emailing back and forth. Well, look here. You don't get this in a relationship. You mm. don't get a website and an online store that comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize <gasps> prominence among search results. You're Drew right. doesn't provide Drew doesn't that do for me. Drew doesn't do this for me. What a dick. What a piece of shit. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, Kara does not have powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates, but Squarespace lets you categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. Ah, oh, and you know what? Neither of them, Drew or Kara, has extensions. <laughs> You can't connect your store to vetted third-party tools to extend the functionality of your marriage. Cara could probably get extensions, but she has long hair as it is. That's true. Oh, she's so lucky. It takes so much to grow my hair. Anyway, Squarespace is great. (laughs) It is a great website provider. Yeah, and it's a website whereby and for which and with whom for how you can produce more websites. Oh, I loved this. I loved this role. <laughs> what do you call those? What are they? They're like, uh, what kind of clauses are those? Little prepositional clauses. Yeah, love them. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally uh, tramping in on um, Carrie's domain here. Oh, oh, do I do that a lot? Yes. Oh, yeah, I do do that a lot. You're, You're famous right. for that. Oh, okay. Oh, well, well. I'm going to make a Squarespace See, website about it. The trumpet guy's in the window. He's got his, <laughs> he's got his thumb up. I know he's, exactly what he's talking about. Ross is right. <laughs> <laughs> so head to squarespace.com slash ono for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ono and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 10% off with the offer code ono? Yes, that's right, Ross. Amazing. Squarespace, leave your spouse. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and while you're at it, listen to this Maximum Fun show. Yeah. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Shall we finish up this Q&A? Let's do it. Okay, okay. I love me a good Q&A, and uh, this is where Daryl thrives. This is his element. Maybe not filmmaking, but, uh, you know, as far as Q&As go, he's got it. He doesn't even have to give a talk. So after where we left off, there was a woman who came up, and she was wearing a multicolored throw and blue jeans. (laughs) She had a two-part question. What was she asking about, Carrie? Is she the one who asked about the source of humor? Yeah. Okay. I kind of like this. She asked, you make a lot of jokes. So (laughs) what what's the the connection between humor and connecting to source? And I was like, I like this question. Essentially kind of ask him, hey, why do you do this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're like making all these jokes. Is this important? Right, right. Is this as annoying as it seems? (laughs) Or you got a purpose here? And Bashar's answer is a sort of analysis of what is humor? Yeah. How does it function? And he says the source of humor is being led in one direction and then being surprised when you're taken in a new one. That resonated with me on my frequency because I I feel like (laughs) my go-to summation of what makes things funny is um, upset expectations. Yeah. You kind of get somebody picturing something and then you make them realize like, 
Oh, I had that picture wrong. Oh, very funny. Yeah. Um, I remember learning about this in undergrad theater class, and okay. it's called incongruity theory. You can go to an undergrad class or you can attend a Bashar lecture. <laughs> but yeah, he's, you know, it's one theory and I think it, it makes sense. But yeah, he's presenting it as this is it. This is the formula for comedy. And it reminded me of a clip from the Dick Van Dyke show. Okay. My second favorite show of all time. Mm-hmm. After so, Mary Tyler Moore. That's right. Thank you. So may I play it? for you yes so in this clip rob dick van dyke has been selected as father of the week for his son's school and he's a comedy writer and he's having trouble explaining his job to the kids as he's sort of fumbling through his explanation he trips and that makes the kids laugh and then he Hmm. off the cuff explains to them what made it funny to them why they're laughing and it's always funnier when you explain the joke (laughs) you you laugh then do you know why you laughed? Because that was unexpected. You didn't expect me to do that. Did you see that? Unexpected means that something happens that you didn't think would happen. And it's kind of a, like a surprise, really. And that makes you laugh. For instance, uh, if Mrs. Uh, Given had said, children, we're going to have some addition now. And she said, uh, first of all, uh, one and one are 12. <laughs> see, I surprised you. That was the unexpected, so you laughed. Of course, everybody knows the one and one. Our <laughs> See, that's, that's what the unexpected does. It makes you laugh because you don't expect that. And it's a surprise. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's sweet. And so you don't need. Man. Yeah, but you don't need to go to Bashar. You can go to 1960s TV for this same level of analysis. Okay, so sad story. Okay. I went to Disneyland on Monday. And because oh. I did. I missed an opportunity to see Dick Van Dyke. Oh, no. What? How? Was he at Disney Animation Studios? Not at our studio, but on the lot. There was a 95th birthday party for Richard Sherman. And 97-year-old Dick Van Dyke was there. I know. Oh, gutting. I'm so sorry. But I didn't cancel the plans I'd made months in advance for my family to have a day together at Disneyland. I know. Painful. It was rough. Dick Van Dyke, if you're listening, big fans. Please come on the show. Yeah. We'll make another podcast. We'll come to you. Whatever you you need. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's start a new podcast, (laughs) the three of us. He did have another point about the humor, though. He was saying that when you laugh, then it lightens your vibration and you can actually understand things better. So that's why it's Mm. kind of a useful tool. Mm -hmm. As we know, Jesus spoke in pairs of jokes. Okay. It's not a good joke. Is that like parables? (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to like make it sound like parable and just like I misremembered. Mm. Actually, he was a notably bad teacher. Parables. Bad. Why do you keep talking in parables then? <laughs> Sorry, Julia Sweeney. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, conf- he's confusing his own followers. Even your staff doesn't understand them. <laughs> oh, that's such a great line. So he said, he being Bashar, even your own Einstein said it. You cannot solve a problem from the same level at which the problem was created. Then he mentioned that uh, your greatest comics on your planet can make associations at lightning speed. And it shows that they are especially clever. Yeah, except I think he says like very, 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 very humorous about it. (laughs) I feel like he is stalling for time to really land, Mm. nail the landing and then doesn't. So he asks if that helps and she says it does. But then she gets to part two of her question. Which is, how can I share your message with my adult kids, basically? Mm -hmm. They aren't receptive. They think I'm kooky. And he's like, 
Yeah, don't force it on them. They don't need to take it if they don't want to. Yeah, this be, is all fine. Yeah, be a living example of how the formula enhances your life and they'll want it too. And I remember my youth pastor saying this to me in high school. Okay, walk the walk and then others will be interested. Why is Carrie so special? Yes, what makes her what different? makes her so happy? And I, I remember like the social toll that puts on you because now yeah. it's like, oh, okay, so I need to model this and I need to seem really happy and, and really with it so that right. you want Jesus too and when i actually feel kind of dark and sad i i still need to model that actually i'm happier than you are and you could be happy like me and then later on when i find out that i've been doing everything right and following all the rules yet nobody seems to want to be like me and this is very strange because i was promised that i'd be the shining example but i gotta be happy i gotta pretend to be happy right yep it's a lot of pressure it's a dark spiral it's pressure he had a fun line there he said give them the option not to take it meaning your advice and they'll eventually wonder why you said that. Right. Which got a laugh. And that's humor because we weren't expecting that he would say that. I'm just going to explain every joke from here on out. Sometimes he also delivers something that's like not really a joke, but he delivers it like a joke and it just makes you kind of ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was a joke. Ha 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 ha. And then a few seconds later, you're like, that wasn't a joke. Why are we laughing? Yeah, it just felt like a joke. I fell for it too. Yeah. We all laughed. <laughs> did have the rhythms of a joke. That's uh, It's like when, you know, you're a dog and someone's like, I'm going to throw the ball. And they like do the whole motion with yeah, their hand yeah, yeah. and you, you turn your head around and you're like, where is it? Where, it's exactly what? like that. Uh, oh, you, st- you, you still have it. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a dog. Yeah. It's exactly like that. Then he talks about the red light, green light synchronicity thing, which we talked mm-hmm. about a little. And I hope you enjoyed that advice about children because he's not going to say anything new about children from here on out. If you ask him about children, he'll be like, well, I already answered that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it, kind of, it get... happens later. Oh, okay, okay. I respect it. He's like, that's not oh, important. You know what? I'm actually fully behind that. I, yeah. I had my spiel on that subject. I'm right. not going to deliver it again. I'm actually cool with that. Although, since he did do a raffle, there's probably some people in the line then who are like, oh, shit, that was my... Okay. Right. Uh, oh, I got to come um, up with a new question. Now I should have had a backup. Yeah, my question is about how you're funny. <laughs> well, and I also imagine a lot of people on the line with their questions just kind of focusing on, okay, well, what's he going to say? How do I introduce myself? He's going to say something snarky back at me. Yeah. I picture them being all in their head trying to work out this conversation. Yeah. So the point they get to him, I think this happened a few times where he said, well, did you not hear the thing that I blah, blah, blah? And they look a little shell-shocked. Like, oh, well, um, hmm, no, I wasn't really paying good attention. Right, right. I I'm, you're the first. Is this the first time I've seen you? I was picked out of a basket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then there's a point where I think he might be talking about himself a little bit. So, okay, this is something that we've remarked on with lots of these people that they'll be telling a story or a lesson that's presented as global, but it's so particular to them and you can kind of track how their own life fits into this little lesson they're telling you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That kind of aligns with what I was talking about in the last episode about the difference between a mainstream religion and just this one-off person who has their own thing because their personal issues will creep into it. Like, well, this is really important to me and people teach me about this when I was 12, so you're going to hear my thoughts on it now. (laughs) Right, right. This is a defining principle for me, and so it will be for you. So when he's talking about red light, green light synchronicity, he's like, "Uh, sometimes 
you'll really be excited about something and then you'll keep hitting a wall and you'll realize that it's a red light synchronicity and maybe you get really far on one project, but then you can't really cross the line on it and it isn't that successful. Mm. But, you you know, then you're kind of able to pivot and do something that's really similar. And I was like, yeah. in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, this movie. Oh, now he's talking about this movie. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> I can just see how his life maps to that storytelling. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, he did that in that documentary, First Contact, as well where he was talking about, you know, how life hands you different things and opportunities and you need to jump on them. And he told his own story of seeing Star Wars and being so blown away and then going to a movie theater because he realized, oh, well, if I take that job that they're offering to anybody, I'll get to see the movie more. Mm. And because I was there, I got to meet a big name effects guy from Ah. Star Wars and I recognized him and Ah. he liked my enthusiasm and he recommended me for a job and that's how I got into the film industry. Which is, yeah, good, yeah, that's good cool. advice. That's how that works. I give that kind of advice to people all the time about the animation industry. But like you're saying, you know, it's his story that kind of creeps into this right. uh, global lesson he's offering. Right. And you can do exactly what I did and it'll work out the way it did for me. So next, a woman in a white linen coat and hood comes up. Oh. Yeah. See, this is good clothing yeah. info, right? The bride. And so she's ready to parlay with him and have a little bit of fun. She says... I'm still waiting for the invitation to zap me into your ship. And he says, keep waiting. (laughs) So everybody has a laugh at her expense. That's probably a callback to something. He doesn't remember exactly what the something is, but he's got, you know, a response at the ready. She's saying she wants to join him on the physical ship where he's floating. And he's saying, well, keep waiting for the invitation. But then he realizes, you know what? There is a deeper point here. The invitations have already been sent out to all of you. You just need to get to the point and the right vibration where you can receive them. And and so she insists, I'm ready now. And he says, no, you're not. (laughs) Or you'd be on the ship. She insists that she can see him. And he says, well, maybe astrally, but we're talking about physically. So again, I guess he must be physical. She has a question about where she needs to go. Like, which is better for me? Mount Shasta, Sedona, Joshua Tree, Baja, California. Those are the options she gives him. Okay, lady. And he says, well, which do you like best? And she said, Shasta. And he says, well, why are you asking me? And she Mm -hmm. said, because my trip's already been canceled twice. So I guess she's trying to go to Shasta, but it seems like the universe is telling her something. Yeah, fair. Fair point. Red light synchronicity. Totally. He goes back to the red light, green light thing. And yeah, that's, I think, how he got pulled into that whole aside. And so he said, okay, well, if you can't get to Shasta, go where you can go, and then maybe it will bring you eventually to where you wanted to be in the first place. Okay. But there you go. You just need to follow what's available. Follow your your excitement. excitement. That's Follow it. your excitement unless you can't get to Shasta. That's a good name for this uh, episode. Follow your excitement. Unless you can't get to Shasta. In <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Unless your Shasta trip gets canceled. Okay, so the next question is a parenting question. Mm-hmm. It's essentially, how does a parent allow the kind of freedom Bashar is describing without spoiling their child? Right. And he's like, just... Asked and answered. Yeah, again, follow the formula. Give kids a safe enough place to experience consequences, but to learn they don't need to harm other people. Tell them to follow their excitement. 
and they'll attract whatever they want in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's it. It's that simple. And move on because we've already talked about kids enough. I feel like I've heard a version of this so many times. I had a friend in high school who grew up Scientologist and had a kid immediately after high school. And I Mm. met the kid when she was really little. And the mom had Scientology parenting principles. And it was the same kind of thing where it can be expressed very quickly and succinctly, but Mm. in practice, it's a mess. Because it was just like, the kid has to encounter her own consequences. So I, the parent, never provoke consequences so like so this kid's at my apartment and she was pulling posters off the wall oh and i was going like oh can you can you stop can you stop yeah. and the parent who can use a slightly firmer hand at least than yeah. i can yeah, yeah. a metaphorical hand but like but she's just just sitting there blithely looking at it blinking her eyes just oh, no interaction because she's not supposed to give any consequences right in it scientology the child is just another Thetan, so it's like another adult, and that's how you treat them. Sure, yeah, I guess so. An adult that's pulling posters off the wall. It just, it, it reminds me of that whole, like, sort of, you know, noble blank slate child mm-hmm. hypothesis. It's just not how anything works. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're born with genes and things. The best laid philosophies. Yeah. Meet uh, reality. So then a very tall man arrives, and... He asks what Bashar does for entertainment. Do you do like martial arts or something? I love this question. Yeah, you're up there in heaven or whatever, (laughs) 7,000 miles above Sedona. What you doing? You've been around for thousands of years. You're very, well, actually, I guess Bashar says he's 167 of our years. And that was 30 years ago he said that. So I guess he's about 200 in earth years. Yeah. So what does he do up there? Well, first of all. He watches us. Uh, <laughs> we all have a so, chuckle at that. We're so entertaining. That's it's so silly. funny. But, no, seriously, I make <laughs> sculptures out of energy. Yeah. yeah. So similar to what Daryl Inka does, making sculptures uh, out of sculpting. Mm-hmm. But at least he's using a variety of materials that don't exist on your planet. Yeah, sure. Got to one-up it. And then the guy says, do you use your mind or do you do it with your hands? And Bashar says, with more energy forms. Okay, so this was a key moment in my note-taking. Okay. Because I'd been clickety-clacking on my keyboard on the iPad that I borrowed from work because uh, I discovered typing. Oh, that is so cool. Congrats. And I would feel there there were those two young ladies sitting to my right that I mentioned. Yeah. And I felt like the one closest to me was side-eyeing my typing and just trying to figure out what's going on. Sure, yeah, we get this sometimes. We're always writing more than nearly anyone else there. So I wrote in my notes, if anyone reads this within the next five minutes and tells me, (laughs) I will give them $20. (laughs) (laughs) And no. I had forgotten about this, but I just saw this in my notes. She didn't say anything. <laughs> That's a good trick. Yeah. After Afterwards, she asked what I was doing. But <laughs> in that moment, if she'd been reading along, it'd be like, oh, do I want $20 from the guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to one up that. I think you got to make it like $100. Oh, I didn't have $100 Oh, that's on fair. Me. That's I fair. I had to be ready to deliver. I will Venmo deliver. the next <laughs> <laughs> Or I can also do Zelle. <laughs> or Apple Pay. <laughs> Let's see, Bashar also said that he plays games. I guess they have games that they play. Yeah, he's hanging out. His race, they're in a dreamlike state all the time anyway, because time is not so linear. So I don't know. It seems like they don't have a problem passing time. Yeah, it sounds like hanging out to me. And the guy says, oh, that's cool. 
And of course, of course, Bashar says, it can be any temperature you want it to be. Mm. Oh, so good. That's He's one of those so ones where it's quick. like. He's that, just so quick. It was fast and it had the cadence of a joke, yep. but mm, it, kind of a miss. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't give us anything, more, does it? Cool more of has a chuckle. more than one meaning, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next person basically asks, so what's this thing with the 144,000 people? Yeah, so I guess that's something in Bashar's teachings, because when I hear 144,000 people, I imagine the people that are sealed. Uh, the Bible. Yeah, in Revelation with the, the mark of the Lamb. So yeah, some Christian groups take that to mean only 144,000 believers will actually be saved Period. the kingdom of heaven. Right. Yeah, I, I don't connect this with Bashar either, but it did seem to be a Bashar-specific question. And so he, he kind of waves this off. He says, oh, 144,000, it's not an exact number, but, but basically it's this critical mass where if you have a minority of positive-thinking mm, people, right. they were, will overwhelm the negativity of the dominant world. And that number is roughly 144,000 positive thinkers. Right. And that almost had kind of like a biblical import to me as well, because I assume he goes for a lot of those numbers because they have that kind of weighty significance. In fact, I, I just read another passage where he was writing that like 40 years is an important increment, and that's why it shows up in your religious texts. Mm. Um, but in this case, he was also with that reminding me of pleading to God, like, well, if there's X number of righteous people in this city, will you not destroy it? You know, when it came mm. to Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, well, if there's this many righteous people, will you not destroy it? And kind of haggling with God to get him down to this, Sad. this number. So uh, apparently he was, like you say, talking about some number that could overwhelm the negativity in the world and restore, you know, at least maintain like a positive balance of, of vibration, thought, whatever, whatever mode it is. And so he said, this is also a reminder that you never change the world you're on. You enter a new reality of the version of Earth that you want. Right. Very Lori Spagna. And everybody clap for that. Yay. Yeah. So... This sounds like Lori Spagna, and again, it makes me think of social media. It makes me wonder if he's sort of indirectly talking about how you can organize your life such that, like, the news about the world that comes into your awareness mm -hmm. represents a world you would like to live in. And all you have to do is only click on the stories mm. that make you feel good. Oh, that's one way to navigate. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of what I think both of them are talking about. Just living a life where you just kind of shield yourself from the things that don't interest or... Yeah, the things that encourage you. you down because right. they represent a world that you wouldn't want to live in. Yeah, I feel like that kind of mindset just gets you to the point where like, well, I didn't pay my electric bill because I don't want to. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taxes are a bummer. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to leave you high and dry at some point. That, that same person also had a question about what's happening in the next 20 years. And Bashar very scrupulously. Oh, he ain't answering that. Yeah, he says, oh, I don't want to make predictions. Uh, maybe because some of his other predictions haven't come out so well. Perhaps. Um, but the guy said, well, not predictions, just, you know, what's going to happen? And <laughs> this is one moment where, like, the question asker got, like, the big laugh from the audience. Uh -huh. And uh, I don't know, that probably bothers Bashar. Like, I'm supposed to be getting laughed <laughs> uh, Bashar, again, didn't want to get nailed down on any predictions, but he said, well, free energy is something you might keep an eye on. That's something that you as a species can accomplish. 
Okay. And he reminded us, that's right, we, we didn't mention the cliffhanger last time. We'd mentioned there was going to be a big announcement at yes. the end of this meeting. That, yes. That's what we're all hanging on for. Right. So he reminds him, well, there's going to be a big reveal coming soon. And then the annoying lady comes up. Okay. Uh, the annoying lady, what's her deal? <laughs> okay. She's a fast talker, very confusing. She hasn't formed her thoughts. She's been in line for a long time. You think she would have. But <sighs> even in my notes, I had a hard time like tracking what it is she was talking about. She's addressing some guy... I don't know if she knows him or something, who was into gray aliens. <laughs> something about like people turning into reptiles. Okay, the reptile lady. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me go back in my notes here. You know, the annoying lady <laughs> with red hair in the green exercise clothes. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. And somewhere in there she says that she's a scientist. Right. Okay, so I, I think I followed this. But Did you it, make sense oh of this? Oh, man, it, you're right. She talks in a very unclear way, but I think this is right. I think the question is basically, hey, Bashar, I heard you talk about a guy who believed in conspiracy theories because uh. that guy was in his reptile brain like he was feeling paranoid and defensive and in his lowest mind. Okay, okay. Um, and she's saying, I liked that because I'm a scientist and I, you know, I see that. But here at this conference, there are also a bunch of conspiracy theories. So how do we all come together? And then she kind of stumbles to say, I think what she really wants to say, which is, listen, I just want you to talk about the COVID vaccine. <laughs> yeah, well, she made some reference to a COVID vaccine of the ego, which I think was related oh, to what man. you were talking about, by, about getting us all together with our conflicting conspiracy theory stories. And okay, yeah. yeah, the audience uh, is going to turn on her because she was a bit much and it was a lot of words and very little comprehensible content. Yeah, I think she was just nervous to actually ask what she wanted to ask and she didn't get there. And he does that kind of like motion with the hand like, okay, okay, hold on there. <laughs> Let's try to pick this apart. He at least latched onto that message of us learning to come together and says, most of you will eventually come together years down the road. But again, like he has this whole belief that we all choose which version of Earth we're on. And over time, we'll all start choosing the same version of Earth, which I just don't understand. What does that mean? We're on the room together. Obviously, we're here <laughs> together in a shared reality. Yeah. Are there other people here that we don't see because they're in a different version? I don't know. I, don't I think he has to just be talking about like mood and mental states or I can't make sense of it at all. But yeah, I think I think he and Lori Spagna get to this place where they're just like, I don't know. I'm not afraid of COVID. So I live in a different world where COVID isn't scary. Oh, it's scary in your world, not in mine. Mm. It's like, that girl, that's a mood. That's a, not reality. That's whether you feel skeeved out right now. Such a cop out. Yeah. So this lady does not want to give up the microphone. And mm. she mentions that she's been vaccinated five times. Mm. And some of the audience seems to be a little upset about this. Mm. She mentions she has a friend who won't get vaccinated. And Bashar says, well, that's their choice, isn't it? Mm. Uh, she's asking about breathing techniques. I don't know. She's all over the place. But mm. she gets to this one point where she starts talking about body-informed trauma work that she does. Oh, I talked to this woman afterwards. Okay, and I thought, oh, this will get Carrie's interest. Yeah, yeah. Redhead, right? Yep. Yep. And she works with Navy SEALs in the military and said that because of their work, they had this cult-like mentality and they'd be close to making a breakthrough and then they'd withdraw within themselves. Mm. Uh, Bashar finally says, like, stop. Because, <laughs> like, she just, <laughs> it's just this verbal... Upchuck. Uh, yeah, she just yeah. can't stop it. 
And he says, let me ask you a question. How long does it take for a child to understand what they need to understand? It takes years. Why are you in such a hurry? And she said, well, because I see my schizophrenic patients. And she starts to go into oh, like wow. the yeah. negative consequences, which I think, oh, that's actually a very good response. Yeah, this is timely. I do need answers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I see people's lives unraveling. Right, right. This isn't something I can just sit around on. And he says, well, you're trying to burn through a situation that would otherwise take millennia. Do what you can in the time that you have. She's not happy with that, but she says, well, they should stay on their medication, right? Oh, interesting. Okay. And he says, I am not going to give you medical advice. I am not allowed to on your planet. Your world says that we cannot. But he does He does mention detoxing. He throws that out there as something benign sure. and helpful that Great. they can do. And in his response, he mentioned dissociative personality disorder. Ah, okay. In huh. a in a way that seemed to uh, validate it. Not even a disorder I've heard of. I've heard of dissociative identity yeah, disorder. I think that's what he meant. Okay. But okay. that's just you know Bashar doesn't fully keep up with. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the journals. Sure. So finally, he tells her, "Hey, you need to set an example of relaxing. Maybe that'll help mm, them." Mm-hmm. And the audience now fully against her, <laughs> like claps at that, like, "Yeah, tell this lady to relax." Right, right. And finally, she she leaves. Oh man. It was it was a super awkward exchange. Yeah, I talked to this woman afterward. I had forgotten about this. I yeah. ran up and I found her and I don't remember what exactly I asked her, but I do remember her saying basically I had never heard of him before. So like oh. I was trying to formulate my thought into a sentence that would okay. make sense to him, you know, but it was all kind of nebulous and hard to follow and I was struggling to get my own thing out. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was frustrating for her too. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting and that's kind of like what you were talking about earlier about the first time Bashar listener who wins the golden ticket. Yeah, exactly. And gets in the line, what do I do with this? And that's got to be like most people and maybe not, maybe it's not their first time ever like hearing of him but most people can't have uh, much to draw on. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just thinking, oh yeah, yeah, he's that alien guy. That's right. got to be most of the people who win the ticket. In the documentary, he was talking about how many people that do recognize him, they'll see him and they'll be like, hey, Bashar. And he says, well, that's a little awkward because I'm Daryl. <laughs> like, <laughs> so awkward. Well, Daryl's not as memorable as Bashar. Right, so right. That's what they're going to remember. And you know what's happening? Yeah. So this man from Australia comes up Uh, He's an orthopedic surgeon, and he's interested in synchronicity. And this is where Bashar notices that there's just too much chatter going on in the audience. I think Mm. people are talking about the last woman still. (laughs) And so he does that thing to sort of silence people so he can hear better. And so this guy says that he was visited by a tall gray alien that he saw who was ancient looking. Mm. And Bashar immediately inserts, it's the Masani. And that doesn't mean anything to the guy and it doesn't stop him. Apparently this transfers along generational lines, this ability to be visited Mm -hmm. by them or see them. I guess Bashar like says, it'll happen to your kids as well. And the guy says, well, I've never had any children. And Bashar says that, you know, of the audience laugh at this. So he tells this guy that his DNA is in hybrid children. 
that they're out there, that yeah. he's a father. Yeah, yeah, why not? In for a penny, in for a pound. You randomly cold read the wrong detail, and now you give this guy an entire second life he can obsess about. Yeah, poor guy. So now all of a sudden he realizes he has children out there he's not supporting or so, yeah, doesn't the, know. The hybrid kids, that would suggest that he had sex with a person who he didn't realize was an alien, impregnated the alien. He's something like right? that. Yeah, yeah, or maybe in one of these traditional abduction stories where you're pushed and prodded and sexually yeah, monkeyed with. Yeah, Or like in Presomar, a movie that I made that's a reproduction of Midsommar. It has a similar Oh, that sounds like a great line. film. Yeah, people should watch it. It's on YouTube. <laughs> There's a guy who comes up uh, and wants to ask about difference between the races and why there's enmity between them. Mm. Bashar shuts that down. No, 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 no. Celebrating differences is how you have unity. Uh, so that's his little message against racism. Okay, cool. Thank you. Oh, phew. Uh, Woo! I'm glad that's taken care of. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he just kind of steps on this and offers his uh, happy vision for the future. Yes, I, I understand what you mean by being divided. And yes, division is a problem. But that only happens because so many people feel unworthy of being themselves. Start honoring differences between you as worthy and then you will have harmony. Okay. Right. And the guy wants to clarify, well, are we all the same race? And Bashar says... Well, sort of. Homo sapiens is already a hybrid race mixed from alien races. Okay. And then of his own people, he says that we don't have races, that we have different tones because we are a race created from your DNA. Oh. Yeah, so the Bashar folks on Essasani. The aliens. Yeah, exactly. Whereas we are the progeny. Well, I guess he would say that we were created from aliens. We uh-huh. have, we're already a hybrid race, but he in turn, right, is like a further evolution of the human line. So he's like an AI or something. Yeah. Something similar to that. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. Interesting, oh my God. Right? Let him be, let him say he's chat GPT. Let him say it. <laughs> in five years. <laughs> There's another man who shows up and thanks Bashar for showing up in his dreams. And Bashar is very quick to say like, no, 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 no. That's not me. Oh. That was you okay. envisioning me. He just doesn't okay, want to. Okay, the normal way, yeah. He doesn't want to be held responsible for anybody being like, smart. and you you said this. right? Dude, smart. I think, I, yeah, I, I think Bashar knows how to shut that down quickly. I always wonder how this works with Ekin Carr, where the guys in charge are supposed uh-huh. to visit you in your sleep. And oh, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what happens if you like, Fuck, fuck him yeah and then like later you have to be like that was you right i mean like the stuff yeah. like that has to happen oh i'm sure it does yeah people are weird brains are strange yeah i don't know how they deal with that the guy's question is can humans create anti-gravity propulsion to leave the planet mm. so bashar stops him stop stop because the question was going on too long, I guess. And he says, yes, yes, it is within reach. And I can't believe I let out so many tickets. <laughs> he, he says that location exists in the object. And this is that point from the movie okay. with the post-it notes where he's explaining like location is just another attribute of an item. And you just need to learn how to discern the difference between the same object in two locations. And once mm. you have equipment that is fine-tuned enough to determine that, then you can bombard an object with the frequency of it being in a different location, and it will either <laughs> move there or it will completely teleport there. So okay. 
Ta-da! Great. He's found words that sound good for teleportation. Yeah, show us. Show us. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Yeah, just one macroscopic object. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I wish someone with a ticket would ask him to do that. It it was impressive psychobabble. You know what? Let's listen to a clip. The idea of an object being in a location is incorrect. Location exists in the object. In other words, every object has a, shall we say, energy equation. Part of that energy equation is where and when it is in time and space. If you change that locational variable, the object has to stop existing where it is and take up new residence in the new location you have inserted into the equation. So if you have an overall ability to read very sensitively the vibrational locational equation of an object in one position, and then you take that object and raise it up, let's say six feet, 10 feet, whatever, and then you take another reading of its locational vibration at that level, and you see the difference. If you can see the difference, if your equipment is sensitive enough to see the difference, that difference represents the difference in location. So if you bring the object back down to the first location, and then you bombard it, imbue it, either electromagnetically, sonically, however, and overwhelm its initial vibration and input the idea of the second location variable vibration, the object will either rise and float up to that location with no visible means of support, or it will teleport instantaneously from here to there. That's the secret of anti-gravity, is you have to find the locational variable within the object. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And then there's one final woman in the line. She asked the last question. She's worried about making decisions. And he asks her, do you trust in your synchronicity? She says, I don't know. And he says, thank you for that. He was appreciates the honest yeah, answer. Okay, good. And he says, well, flip a coin because, you know, sure, this is good advice in general. You may flip the coin and it'll be tails and you'll be like, I really wish it had I, been heads. It's like, well, there you go. That's what you actually tell you wanted. something about, yeah, how you right. feel. Or you don't really care and whatever mm-hmm, the result is, right. is fine. You'll go with it. Go with that. Uh, that's why I have my universe splitter app. Oh, right, right, right. The woman has another question about going through a divorce and how difficult this is going to be for her daughter. Bashar... Wants a little more info, like the daughter's two years old. And then he just gives some general life advice about how the people that you marry change and these things happen. Family can be anybody. Yeah, yeah. So, And a Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, remember? Watch that. You know, it's generally good advice, but he gets to give it because he's Bashar now. Sure. And he encourages her to just naturally attract the person that her daughter needs and kind of insinuates that the universe will make sure that she does. I hope that's true. And uh, that's it for the questions. And Jimmy Church says, on behalf of everyone here, friggin' thank you. (laughs) He can't believe what he's just seen. It is mind-blowing, the generic advice he just watched. (laughs) But Bashar says, whoa, 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 wait. It's time for the announcement. Oh, yeah, the big announcement. Okay, so first disclaimer. Remember, there's no such thing as predicting the future. Oh, okay. Stop, stop, stop. But when a lot of energy creates a momentum that is unlikely to change, we are allowed to say certain things. And then if we are wrong, we still claim success. (laughs) That's right. So in the next few years, events on your planet will create the following situation. 
First, in late 2024 and 2025, the channel himself, Daryl Anka, thank you, will begin teaching more principles in detail about how the system works. In 2026, we will deliver, when we determine the schedule, information, and this is 90 to 95% likely to happen, (laughs) that will create an opportunity. Some of your psychics are already sensing it. Somewhere from middle 2026 and beginning the idea of 2027, the Mm -hmm, idea mm -hmm, of 20... mm -hmm, Stop mm -hmm. it. Stop (laughs) it, Bashar. You will experience a major contact event. Every... Everyone on your planet will become aware of this. The contact will be open, it will be flowing, and it will herald a new momentum heading towards a shift in your realities. Good. Individually and indirectly towards joining your intergalactic family. We thank you at this time for co-creating this experience. We will see you all again, and good day. Yeah, so he always thanks you for co-creating his being there. Mm -hmm. So 2027, is that what you said? Yeah, the idea of 2027 or (laughs) middle 2026. But yeah, we're going to have a major contact Let's really not let him weasel out of this. So 2026 or 2027. That's it. You've got through 2027. I'll allow that. There better be a major... There will be a major contact Unambiguous contact Yeah, let's define our terms here. So when I hear that, I think... The skies part, mm-hmm. an alien appears, multiple people grab their iPhones, photograph it, are like, guess what I saw? Here it is from a bunch of different angles, mm-hmm. different people. Uh, their stories mostly line up. There's a specific place it happened, a media outlet that somebody's heard of covers it. Yeah. And I think if it's a contact event, it needs to be even more than just an encounter of a UFO craft. It needs to be like an encounter of the third kind. Yes. A close encounter. Which means physical? Yeah, like yeah. meeting an actual yeah, yeah, body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingertips touching. And an alien. We see the alien. Yeah, exactly. We communicate. Everybody acknowledges it happened. And the reason we're being so specific about this is because we know how this works. We've been making this mm-hmm. show since 2011, you That's guys. Right. And let me tell you what happens. People make these predictions. And then when the prediction doesn't come true, you know what they do? They say, well, I didn't mean it literally. <laughs> I meant that the world was going to change in this ambiguous way that mm-hmm. you didn't even notice. In fact, didn't that year kind of come and go and was sort of unremarkable? That's exactly what I meant. Uh-huh. And we're not going to let that happen. Not to you guys. Not to the listeners. And I think Bashar has been burnt by predictions before. Mm-hmm. So when His? Tr- his own? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I was trying to look up how far in the future he was, which I am still a big question mark about. I noticed that there was a book called Bashar, Blueprint for Change, A Message from the Future. I was like, okay, there's some future support. Hey, why don't I buy that book? Yeah, okay, online. great. Online. Huh, that's weird. Nobody's selling it. Oh, I can't get it as an ebook. Hmm, it's mm-hmm. not on his website. That's interesting. It was written in 1990. Where could it be? Mm. So I tried many different ways, and I could only find it as a used book that okay. very few people were selling. Yeah, and for like a hundred dollars or more. Okay, yeah, and for this I, little paperback. Somewhere I have a little paperback by Daryl Anka called "The Quest for Truth" Ooh. that hopefully surfaces. But okay, I I did a stupid thing. I went ahead and I bought 
for $105 a copy on eBay. And when you showed it to me, I was like, oh, I saw this too. I thought about buying this too. <laughs> so I'm glad you did. Okay. What would have been said is if we had both bought it. So I'm not supposed to get it till Monday now. Okay. It got delayed. But I did find, and this took some work, I did find an e-text copy of it okay. that I, you know, trust as far as I can throw it. So I, I do want to verify that this is the actual book, but someone did make a PDF out of this. So I don't know how I'll follow up with this later. I'll, I'll try to like find some good juicy stuff, but already I found him making some predictions back in 1990 or even earlier. Some of these essays in the book are dated 1987. So very early in his Bashar career. Okay. Okay. Here's one. The basic goal, he has this whole plan for us to do daily meditations so that everybody stops at noon in their time zone and does a one-minute meditation for peace. And he says, the basic goal is to have every individual, yes, every single individual on your planet doing that one-minute meditation by January 1st, 2000. You will find uh -oh. such a high degree of accelerated energy focused on world peace around your world that you will be able to have the foundations laid down for one world between 1990 and the year 2000, no later than 2013, 2011. Oh, man. I remember in college hearing about people doing this, people who would do these massive meditation mm. events to try to get some tipping point. I think the transcendental meditation people would be up in this a lot. Well, that did not catch on the way he had hoped. Yeah. Uh, which is too bad because we could have had a perfect one world society. Damn it. Ten years ago. Okay, here's a good one. Thus, you can perhaps readily understand that point C, your year 2017, so he's already talking mm. many years in the future for him, initiates and represents the time when there will be within your society the capability of joining us with your own spacecraft. Although oh. it may be earlier, perhaps oh. five years earlier. Uh oh. That is when your technology will allow you to develop the idea similar to our spacecraft technology. You will have this by 2017 if you maintain your adherence to the template, which it seems in all likelihood you will. By 2027, you, and this is bolded, you will be absolutely interwoven into the Galactic Association of Worlds. Wow. So we've got till 2027. Okay. For that oh, to come okay. true. Okay, he's we not will, wrong yet. We will be absolutely interwoven into the Galactic Association of Worlds. Yeah, again, I wonder if he would just claim that that has happened and we don't know about it because mm. the government made those crafts. There's so many ways to get out of these predictions. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Well, that was if everything stayed according to plan, and it did for people in the right frequency, but you are in the planet where you have chosen your reality, and it is not that reality, or who knows. I saw something from 1988 where he was saying in the next 30 years there should be contact, and that would be 2018. Okay. Yep. So uh, already I found, and there's more in here too, but I've already found him making um, a lot of uh, failed predictions. So I think okay. this kind of taught him early on to stop doing that and try to buy up all the copies of this book so nobody reads them. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I'm hoping there's more juicy stuff. I can't wait for my $105 book to show up. <laughs> okay, yeah, and I'll have to look for my other. Maybe we'll have a Bashar book report nice. somewhere in the next couple years. Sounds good. So that was, that was it. Uh, Jimmy Church had us all applaud for him but but then quickly said like all right get out everybody get out no photos move the uh the blonde girl who was sitting next to me did finally ask hey uh i noticed you were like typing all that what are you typing i said oh my I, screenplay i have a 
yeah. Automatic writing. I couldn't, it couldn't be helped. Uh, I said, I uh, have a podcast and uh, I take very thorough notes. Oh, nice. And she was satisfied with that. And we sailed off back into the crowd. Um, one time in the 90s, my mom was on an airplane and a guy next to her was typing and she's like, what are you typing? And he was like, my screenplay. And she goes... <laughs> You and everybody else. <laughs> and then it turned out it was... Someone we've heard of? Harry Anderson, the guy on Night Court. What? <laughs> oh, my Cheers. goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said that she clocked it because when she said, you and everybody else, he made a a face like, <laughs> like if only you knew, lady. <laughs> and so then she was getting off. She asked somebody, and they were like, oh, that's Harry Anderson. He's on Night Court. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I remember that actor. He is very recognizable. Yeah, big crop of red hair. He's passed away, but actually um, his daughter, Eva, is a friend of mine. Oh, wow. Yeah, just... Small world. Yeah, many years later. Small world. Yeah. Well, that's it for our Bashar series, but like you say, I'm sure we'll have some fun things to report back on in the future. I'm Bashar of it. That was unexpected and therefore humorous. I barely put any effort in. (laughs) That's why it was slightly humorous. All right, well, that's it for this episode. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative managing is by Ian Kramer. And this episode was listened to by you. Thank you. I remember? Don't you remember? You just did it. You just listened to it. Yeah, hello. You're still listening to hello. it. Why won't it end? You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Yes, please. And thank you. You can also leave a positive review. You can tell a friend. You can channel an ancient or future alien who highly recommends the podcast. Yes, yes. An AI created by the show. Uh, or, you know, put it in a, a channel somewhere. My buddy Keith listens to the show my Mm -hmm. running buddy and uh he was out looking for new podcasts to add to his lineup and he just discovered in the wild someone saying like oh you should really listen to oh no ross and carrie and they wrote a nice summary of it and he said found in the wild and sent me a screen grab and it made my day you wait wait wait. they wrote it on like a piece of paper like on a forum somewhere other people were asking what podcast should i oh i see i see i see And you could also make one of our days by recommending the show to others. I saw someone you know in a table store. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, uh, Katie. (laughs) Yeah. And her husband, Ben. Yes. 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 Perfectly lovely people. They're both animators at Disney. They bought a table. Yeah. It was a a Spanish furniture. Italian? Maybe Uh, Spanish. uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We have... (laughs) Uh-oh. Going to have to get to the bottom of this store. European tables. (laughs) But I was like, oh, that is such a place to find Carrie. That sounds right. Oh, okay. She and I went running on Monday, and she told me that story. Oh, nice. Very cool. They were very sweet. Yeah, they're awesome people. They picked a good table. Oh, were you jealous? Like, let me buy that from you? No, no. We picked a better table. (laughs) (laughs) The gloves come off. (laughs) Theirs was good. Ours was great. (laughs) (laughs) And remember... A lot of the things that are missing, so to speak, from the way you live your life is that you just don't yet have a truly embedded understanding of how things actually work. Once you gain that, you will go, oh, well, that makes sense. I'm just doing this. And it doesn't matter what the outcome is, because if it's the outcome that's not compatible with me, synchronicity will turn me around and I will go down the path that is mine. Simple as that. And of course, it will include everyone that's important to you in your excitement and in your passion. Because why would passion leave anyone out that's important to you? Then it wouldn't be your passion, would it? They can be anywhere. 
at your office, in your car, and they are wrong. My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.